even though my whole world was changed, there was still so much more left. I can do anything an able-bodied person can do. I'll just do it my way. It doesn't matter what, what it is, you will get to where you want to get to and you will be happy again. Hello and welcome to Life Rolls On, a podcast series where you hear stories from people living well after a life-altering injury. This podcast is powered by Hire Up, a disability support platform connecting people like me with top-notch support workers. I'm your host, Steve Rowe, someone who's been navigating a life-changing disability since my spinal cord injury five years ago. In this, our first episode, I'm going to share a bit about my story and give you a taste of what you can expect from the rest of the series. So at the time that I suffered a spinal cord injury, uh, I was 25 years old, a few years into a career in marketing and sales. I'd been working at a pharmaceutical company, Bayer, but in the animal health division for a few years. Been working across like marketing and, and brand management and had taken a role in farm animal sales role. So for that, I had to relocate from my home in Sydney and move over to Western Australia um, for this position. And I was sort of studying part-time, doing a master's degree. So it was like a really crazy, hectic time, just trying to jam everything in. And it was kind of just like this, yeah, fun, exciting time. I had this kind of mental image of where life was, was going at the time. At the end of 2017 in December, I was back on the East Coast on a holiday from work, visiting friends and family for Christmas and the end of the year and back for a conference. And um, yeah, during that period, that break period, I drove up with some friends to Port Macquarie. There was a big bunch of us. Um, and we were going to Festival of the Sun up there, uh, which is just like a few days camping and sort of music festival that goes on up there each year in December. So we were there for a couple of days. And on the second day, we were playing like a bit of cricket um, sort of around the campsite and like down the caravan park and just, you know, mucking around as you do and had a bit of a game. Um, yeah, about an hour into this, it's about 30 degrees or something and I'm just absolutely cooking. And so me and a mate decided we'll go for a swim and we sort of had this chat like, oh, we're going to go beach or going to go pool. And I was like, oh, let's go pool. It's just a bit closer. So we walked over to the pool um, and it was sort of like mid to late Arvo. Um, yeah, kind of walked over to the pool yard and I was sort of turned around like taking off my like shirt and like putting my wallet and phone and stuff in the corner, taking my shoes off and um, getting ready to jump in. And then I hear my mate like dive and splash. So I was like kind of in my head, I just made this note thinking like, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, like he's just jumped in this end. Cool. I'll just like turn around and jump. Should be right. Very, very silly. Obviously like didn't think that through entirely and like didn't like look closely enough because as I turned around, I've sort of just assumed, okay, he's jumped off and dived from here. But I think, you know, in hindsight, what had happened is he'd walked in and then jumped off a big shelf that was in the pool. So instead of me walking into the shelf and then diving off that as he did, I've dived from the side assuming, okay, yeah, like it's super deep. But there was like a few meters long step that kind of juts out from the end. So I've actually hit my head um, on that. And the water level was probably like knee deep or something. So it's just that whole force of the body just crunched down on the head. Um, and as you can imagine that, like that impact is just crazy. And yeah, silly mistake, super simple mistake, but one that, you know, cost a fair bit in terms of what happened afterwards. Immediately, I couldn't feel or move anything. I was like face down in the pool, um, completely conscious, like I was 
barely even dizzy. Like, it was this weird feeling where I, like, even just like, you know, I, I don't know, just in normal life or like playing sport or something, you bump your head. It's hurt worse than what this had because I just remember thinking, like, it was really weird how clear my thoughts were. And, like, I just remember immediately being, like, worried that I'm going to come up and have an egg on my head and people are going to be like, oh, my God, this guy, would a loser. How'd you get that egg on your head? That was my kind of thought. Like, I'm just going to have a cut or a bruise or whatever. But, yeah, after thinking about that, that, that kind of flashed through my head. And then afterwards, I just realized, hang on a sec, I can't move. This is bizarre. And then I realized, actually, I can't even really feel the water around me. And then I'm just going, oh, dear, this is not, not good. Because I'm face down, just staring at the bottom of the pool. You know, think. I just remember thinking, like, keep calm and don't don't panic here. Like, just don't try and breathe in any water because then you'll be in a whole lot of trouble. So I just remember just trying to stay as calm as possible and just trying not to take a breath in. And at that time when there's a bit of panic setting in, that's pretty pretty difficult to kind of maintain that thought that okay it'll be all right you know you'll get out of this you just got to stay calm because there weren't many people around the the area there was a few and I think most people didn't realize what had happened and thought that I was either just joking around or just floating you know just mucking around or whatever so there wasn't much um support in the initial you know few seconds like I don't know 30 seconds or something and because my mate was off like he was just like swimming a lap or whatever and he was kind of just doing his own thing but then it wasn't until somebody I think walked past and noticed that I was not moving and they've like jumped over the fence or come in somehow and they came in and I just remember like I was there for what felt like forever they've turned me around and um they they just said hey mate are you all right and I just said yeah yeah like I'm okay but I I can't move like I can't stand up and then he he was just like freaked um but like what a legend it's fully saved me there like was you know if there wasn't someone there like could have ended a lot worse you know um but anyway so he he was like pretty gentle and just kind of like was like right we've got to get medical assistance which they then did um and then you know kind of over the next like you know 20 minutes or something I was kind of transferred out of the pool and assessed initially like very quickly um at there and and then they was transported to the base hospital in Port Mac from there they just chopped me to North Shore Hospital in Sydney and that was yeah pretty pretty speedily done and I was sedated for the flight and then yeah ended up in ICU there and the next thing I knew it was a couple of days later I think was when I kind of had my next memory of like being awake after that whole incident so that was basically what happened and how it all went down so in the days and weeks following that injury I was kind of in just like this big state of shock I think for so long and didn't really kind of process everything properly I don't think until a fair bit later because there's just like there's just too it's just too much to think about I think it, at first I think it's just so overwhelming and like you go from being completely like able-bodied healthy to you know having conversations around like you may never breathe independently again let alone walk like forget about walking like let's work on breathing first that sort of conversation um 
and then yeah so so it's just so all-encompassing i think that it's just too much to process uh immediately yeah. and it's really like just crazy overwhelming and stuff so that was that was um probably the best word i could use to describe is just overwhelmed um mentally i was just kind of actually surprisingly other, other than the feeling of overwhelm i was kind of all right mentally like i had really good support from my family and close mates and stuff and you know this is just yeah a bit before covid thank thankfully so hospitals were letting people in and it was fine and um that was really really awesome uh to have that support there so very thankful that i did have those uh close people around and the staff were amazing and so you know mentally held up all right actually in those first weeks um it was it was just physically that was the, the challenge obviously um just fighting with your body every day to see what it's going to give you back and like you just don't you the doctors also don't know in those initial like days what the extent of the injury is like it could be spinal shock and then you know maybe you come out of that and it kind of all settles down to an extent but the mechanism of my injury like the way that the bone broke and like the impact that it had on the cord and the swelling and the blood loss sorry the blood um getting into the cord and stuff i think was pretty severe um it was like a yeah c three four five fracture so a few were were impacted i think c4 was probably the worst um so that was kind of where most of the damage was but yeah like you still even then though like you you know you still don't know for sure how much you'll get back and and when it'll come back as well so this is this like massive battle with your body to kind of like see how that's how that's going to work but um as I said, main challenge was um, getting breathing control back if you could. And that was sort of the big immediate hurdle and the first um, hurdle that was sort of, I guess, set to me by one of the doctors was like, we're going to try and test your breathing a bit. I was ventilated for the first, I think, nine days. And um, through that whole ventilation period, it's just kind of breath going in and out automatically you're not doing anything it's kind of a weird feeling though because it doesn't feel like you're not doing it it feels normal but it's not you doing it it's super weird to explain but they do this um thing with spinal cord patient high level spinal cord patients in the acute stages if they require ventilation they'll like wean you off it and taper the percentage that the ventilator is doing down periodically to test your lung function and see if your lungs can kick in and to what extent they can do that. So they know like, you know, how are we going to manage the respiratory system moving forward? And I think the magic number is like 10 days. I was told like a year later, I came back to the hospital for a checkup and I saw my initial doctor that kind of told me, you know, he said you were about a day away from um, like, you're having a trackie and, you know, being on a ventilator, like you, you we were going to give you one more day before you, decided to do that but luckily on that ninth day out of 10 days of trial and kind of tapering the breath uh, the respiratory respirator off um, and back on on day nine i got off it and sort of had like an hour i think straight of no ventilation assistance and i got through it and then i just remember being like okay i can breathe amazing tick that off thank god um and then yeah, they came and took the 
the ventilator out and I was just like, oh my God, best feeling ever. Felt like I was like cured because all of a sudden I, I could talk again. I didn't have this big tube down my throat. I was like, thank God, I could actually just tell people like I'm feeling okay, like it's gonna be fine. Now that I've got five years-ish of hindsight to and perspective to think back on, I think the biggest changes are really like loss of hand function and obviously loss of walking as well. Um, they're just the two biggest challenges, like they're kind of like ongoing. Um, but you definitely find ways to do stuff. And I think people surprise themselves if they're in a situation like that. Like, yeah, people are pretty adaptive and there's always a way around stuff. Like, I think there's always a way to do something. You just have to do it a bit differently to how you might've thought you would do it or how you traditionally did do it. The biggest lessons I've learned out of having gone through this injury, I think acceptance, but also like perseverance at the same time, it's kind of balancing these two concepts that are pretty, uh, you know, pretty opposite things to kind of get grasp, I guess. Like you've got to accept where you're at to some extent in order to allow uh, adaptions to your life and allow change to occur around you and like to allow yourself to be able to adapt. You've got to accept things to an extent, but there's a danger in being too complacent in acceptance and like i think if you get i don't know there's this real balancing act between those two things and it's just like this constant battle in your head of um trying to like get to a place where you know you strive you strive for more and you strive to persevere with um improvements and to like achieve things but you've also got to be have some level of acceptance to be able to like work on those because if you don't accept what's happened and digest it and move on, then you will never be open, I guess, to embracing like how you can adapt and change. And it's like, it's a barrier to, to moving forward. Like I reckon that's, that's how I felt. And that's my kind of biggest lesson I've learned. And also above that is patience as well. Like just things take forever. You know, you put in so much work and like physically and mentally and, like just to get your life back on track, you know, where it was at, um, that I think, you know, you just have to learn to be patient and, and then learn to like have fun along the way as well. Like still enjoy things at the same time. So it's like huge, um, resilience, um, challenge, I think, but it's, it's, you know, all possible, you know, that's what I, that's what I've kind of learned as well. So after hearing me rambling on, um, I think, more than this, like the conversations that we can have around disability, um, around injury and just like what it means to kind of have a disability or an injury and live uh, a normal life again. Um, and I want to use the term normal, you know, you know, like that's, that's kind of this phrase that people throw around, but it's like a new normal, um, post-injury. It's like, it looks different, but in reality it's the same, but in a, in a kind of like altered way. So I'm really excited to share these stories because I think they're stories that are worth telling because there's so much stigma around disability and so much mystery and like misconception. I think it's really good to just for people, if they don't have lived experience to kind of have a sense of that and like a bit of kind of perspective to it and for people with lived experience to maybe possibly 
get some tips or maybe just you know enjoy the enjoy the conversations and connect um, with people that are in a similar situation. So I think there's something for everyone in this series, and I'm pretty excited to share the stories. There is a time for for grieving, um, and I kind of just didn't focus on grieving until I was I felt like I was at a a good point physically and mentally to mm. go to that space. People that are like you but have suffered an injury are really important to be around. Don't yeah. not associate with anyone else in wheelchairs. No, I can still work and I can still go and, I don't know, have all these like great relationships and I can still be a part of the community and I can still go out and about. Like there's still so many things that you can do just because you're, you've had like an injury. Whereas I think a lot mm. of people just think, you just stay at home and like watch TV and sit in your room all day. It's like, no, yeah, exactly. We're, still, we're out here like living and contributing to the community and I don't yeah. know, feeling it. It's taken time and a lot of work, but I'm now enjoying all the things I was before my injury. I'm working in my marketing job. I'm driving my car. I'm traveling with my friends. And I'm living independently in my own apartment. I can promise you, as will all my guests, that life can be good after a life-changing injury. Life Rolls On is hosted by me, Steve Ralph, and produced by Melanie Dimmitt. The podcast is powered by Higher Up, a disability support platform connecting people like me with top-notch support workers. Thanks for listening, and catch you soon for the next episode of Life Rolls On.